why this? Why are we here? Oh, well, up for shots today. I picked the greatest. True, you know, I would say this is like one of the best romantic movies of all time. <laughs> you know, um, I'll, I'll agree with that. It's just, I don't know, dude. It's just one of those movies that's just so, so it's about romance. it's so watchable. It's about romance, and you're saying this is the truth. This is the truth. This is real romance right here. Oh, this is this is like the film real, real deal. romance. <laughs> no, real romance. R e e l. Real R e e l. It's a fishing movie starring fucking Gary Oldman and Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon. <laughs> real romance. And they're, and they're old and they fish and they all want to bang Anne Margaret. No, no, that's not it. Keep, keep going, Joey. <laughs> what's your re- what's your reason besides it being the realest of romances <laughs> oh dude honestly it's just like i watched it recently and i was like hey this would be a great movie for us to cover and i don't think we've done a quentin tarantino movie yet have we no i mean i this this people say this counts in his whatever echelon of tarantino verse stuff to be honest i'm and not really sure if it does or doesn't uh it does because of the references that you can tie in to his movies from this. There yeah. is there is a name drop or two of like characters in this movie in his other films. Right. So All it's right. yeah. So we're watching we're watching Gone Fishing, ladies and gentlemen, the nineteen ninety seven what? The fucking Joe Pesci movie? Yeah, with Roseanne Arquette and <laughs> oh, Roseanne, Roseanne, nice. I get it. I get it. Remember, we're talking about real, real romance. Real it's romance. gone fishing. Gone fishing. It's like it's funny how it's like, yeah, introduce it and say the name of the film we're doing. Like it's not the title of the episode or anything. Like exactly. people, <laughs> everyone. Hey, if you're joining us now, five minutes into <laughs> somehow, we're talking about we're gone fishing. <laughs> it's like it's like a twitch stream every 10 minutes hey indecisive opinions lurking class here what's going on folks follow us on twitch to <laughs> reintroduce plug, everything plug plug reintroduce everything i'm so glad we don't need to do that here although something like that would be fun down so the road joey so joey it. what movie what movie are we talking about <laughs> we're, ta- we're talking about a uh, true romance today boys thank you true Romance, true romance, early nineties. Not, not John Fishing, Tony Scott, it's, not Ridley, not Scott. real romance, but true Quentin Tarantino, romance. not Blinton Naranjinos. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. <laughs> Sounds like an Italian place owned by like Eastern Europeans. Hey, Baba Ganoush, Blinton Naranjinos, or whatever you just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made him another type of Italian that he already is. I don't right. understand. Yeah, no, not that guy though. This is Quentin Tarantino who wrote this movie. That's what mm-hmm. I wanted. That's what I wanted everyone to know. Yes, yeah. yeah, and uh, some actors in it that <laughs> we've that we've uh, come across already, but insane ensemble cast. We've been uh, we've been tackling a good amount of those lately. I'd say uh, is this one of the largest ensemble casts that we've done to date? Yeah, besides um, besides like. Like like what we just did, you know. I'd say I mean, this Tombstone is... was pre- Tombstone was pretty vast, but I just feel like this, yeah, was like it went 
the extra step further because there would be there would be famous. You get like a Sam Jackson where it's like he's literally in this movie for yeah two minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he has one role. It's before the year before Pulp Fiction, Mm -hmm. you know. But like, also, it's the it's the nineties, like Slam and Sam, and it's like, oh, it's a bunch of these like bit parts from like comedy actors that we know because it was ten years ago. This movie was twenty nine years ago, so bit of a different casting call, bit of a different list going on there. But it's yeah, insane ensemble cast for sure. Oh yeah. I think we've, uh, it's funny because it's like, how, how do we start this? It's like, did we log a few episodes and then take a month or two off? Yes, we absolutely did. I've been hearing a bunch of podcasts like say that lately. And then it's just like, what do, how do we do this again? Like, what do we say? <laughs> yeah. That, what is that good... for... Yeah, there's a lot of people in this movie. I know, dude. Yeah, there is a lot. Yeah, like we're nailing it. We're so good at this. <laughs> Crush, crushing it. Uh, he, crushing was, it. he was, you were joking, Roseanne. Uh, putting on the red light, our cat, and I—I I have an original like baby boy crush on this our cat in this movie, Patricia Arquette, flirting, hey, flirting with disaster, um, holes, boyhood, a plethora of other movies, and oh, yeah. and this real romance. So it's just. <laughs> Yeah, R-E-E-L. I, for being pretty much the only female character in this in this entire film, she is uh she is reeling them in. Yeah, yeah. she's attractive and plays a call girl role like with a great costume department and everything. But like, she's also just not a singular like whatever side character or like. Uh, underdeveloped female character you know yeah. it's like if we're gonna have these two people as our lead we're gonna really develop the fuck out of them and they don't skimp on the female part and just give it all to clarence you know like she's the one narrating like at the end of the movie yeah very cool <laughs> i like it a lot <laughs> it was definitely a good transition it, they really shared the stage, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, yeah. be, when you have an ensemble cast like this, it's very difficult for it's everyone to, to get do, their so moment many bits in this. Yeah, exactly. In this movie, like, so many bit parts of, like, dude, Christopher Walken, one scene. Yeah. Arguably, mm-hmm. arguably the most, like, famous Hilarious. dude at the time, probably. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, like, I, I mean, and it's him and Dennis Hopper. And they're both right. insane. they're both insanely huge by that point anyway. So it's just like, yeah, but that's but that's it, dude. That's it. <laughs> like Brad Pitt as Floyd is legendary because it's Brad Pitt, but like, dude, he has ten lines. <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt has ten lines. A sentence you don't say too often, you know? I've just mm-hmm. it's very hard to squeeze all of these characters in here when it's just like I don't know, man, the writing, you know, there's so many good lines and then so much of it feels like it's Tarantino, though. And like mm-hmm. not just the overly racist parts as well, just like <laughs> the, just the storytelling, the nature of the characters and violence and shit that ensues, you know, very yeah. Tarantino. Hey, a character likes Kung Fu. I wonder if this is based off him at all. Mm, no, that doesn't <laughs> seem plausible. Tarantino doesn't like Kung Fu movies. 
Come on. So so we we found out in this movie that Tarantino would 100% have sex with Elvis then. Is that what you're telling me? That because is that's what it I feels like. Short, yeah. I, I what do, it feels like. I do think that that is that is part of it. Yes. Well, it's it's very interesting when he was alive like, though. Not now that he's dead. Oh yeah, of course. You're not fucking a corpse. Um, Same as Alabama. Exactly. <laughs> what what's what's nice about this is it's like the two the, like the two cold opens to, to this movie and Reservoir Dogs, both talking about sex. One of them obviously with Reservoir right. Dogs talking about Madonna and like like a virgin, like, like a virgin. having sex having sex with somebody with like a large dick, and then like with this, and that was it's him. Like, that was him exactly, doing it. Made himself exactly. have to do that whole. So life. so to see this, it, it, it's almost interesting how strange like the parallels that those two movies draw together not just from the cast we can talk about the cast and the crossovers between those two films but i just think it was very interesting the cold open itself it's like i could eat like for anybody that even hasn't seen it if they've watched a lot of like tarantino films and they sit down and watch this i just feel like you can't help but be like this seems the the cast instantly yeah it's like so tarantino had his fucking hands in this or his feet in it that's yeah. a fetish joke, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, so it's like either way, it's like you, yeah, can, you can pick up on his that body shit. in it. Yeah, wasn't yeah. his dick, that's for sure. It's definitely his feet. You can but, tell um, that he didn't yeah. direct this movie because of the lack of feet in it. Yes, and the score. The score was a little weird. Hans I can't Zimmer, get, dude, dude. Yeah, a lot it of people, felt like it felt have like a, have a thing to say about that. Apparently, dude, straight up, like in those moments where they're playing Caribbean music, it's like, am I watching fucking steel Weekend drums. at Bernie's? Weekend at Bernie's, drums. dude. dude <laughs> straight I, up, I like it was. It, I love it though because it like totally like offsets the movie. I do. I think I it. Do I, not. Think it <laughs> I think it gives it a weird tone that I can realize is like different not yeah. what you're thinking or feeling maybe but there's one specific time too when i think it's like clarence and his dad like at the trailer i and know he, exactly what you're talking and, about and he's and he drops like a bomb and right when he drops the bomb the music starts playing and it's just like a good cue of like oh it's a wholesome moment in this movie that is filled with darkness and tragedy and <laughs> death you know yeah. But the music that they cho- the music that Hans Zimmer chooses to employ in some of these different it's parts so it's, not it's, Hans Zimmer it is, either. It is, I know, I know, but at, at, that's why I'm making the joke. Like, like it, him it is, nowadays, it Hans is, Zimmer. You want to hear Hans Zimmer song? It, so good, so good. That, that was four of his scores to movies, guys. <laughs> yes, that was Inception. Okay, that was the and, Prestige. That was Interstellar. Interstellar. That, that was all the Dark Knight movies. Or there the, was just the Nolan. You know what I mean? There yeah. was just some. There was multiple moments where the score, like it did, it, it matched, but it matched, and it felt like this is a time. Ca- this is like this is a time capture of this movie. Yeah, like this is a snapshot of 1993. You know, like it just based on. Based specifically yeah. the music that was being used Detroit in the background. Detroit to L.A. Yeah, Even when crazy. they're in the snow. Caribbean music. Steel drums. Oh, yeah. God. What a vibe. Week- weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> Overboard. <laughs> Fucking, you know, it's just like. Overboard. Yeah. Uh... Yeah. Little Mermaid. I don't know. It's just like it, <laughs> I got. I got why they. I got why they used it, dude. Just like, I believe the song "Under the Sea" was nominated from this movie. It was great when that Jamaican lobster sings it. Nice, love it. <clears throat> is a classic, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's something. The mu- The music is like 
there's a good soundtrack of like you know well-known bands or artists or whatever you want to call it mixed in with this fucking plinky caribbean score so it uh in like it offsets the mood i don't know maybe maybe i don't I'm sorry to derail. Um, I'm not trying not... to derail your thoughts. I, I thought there was an Eric Clapton clapped? song. I, th- I thought there was an Eric Clapton song mixed in there, or like fucking a song. The, you know, probably. Yeah. I, uh, probably. I think so. There's probably got to be probably something at some point. What I, I remember, what I remember is like Soundgarden. Oh well, yeah, yeah. And like yep. the 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 Elvis, you know, uh, Billy yeah. Billy Idol. Um. Wait, wedding, and, and baby. And then the yeah, yeah, and then the will you still love me tomorrow? Whoever originally yeah. does that, not the Gimme Gimme's version. <laughs> it's just, this just dope. I think it's like Carol King or somebody, you know. Or, yeah, something uh, like that. Or Shirley MacLaine or Dolly Parton. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I don't know about Eric Clapton, but but similar sounding like soft rock type, whatever. Adult mm-hmm. contemporary. Adult contemporary. That's exactly what it's called. Good for you. <laughs> I do what I can. Good for you for knowing these things. So uh, let's fucking let's rattle off what the, the, our uh, our our virginities of this movie and shit. Our memories. You know, when's the first? When have you guys seen? When was True Romance on the on the mind in your lives? Because um, because mine I was think- a little later. I don't really uh. I don't really have anything crazy to say about this, but I like I, this movie a lot. I think I was like 14 the first time I saw this, and it's just one of those movies that I, I mean, I've seen it a few times other like before that, but like the first time I really sat down to watch it was like when I was 14. It was just yet again one of those movies that was just on every once in a while in my house, and yeah. and I've just I really started to love it like around that age, like 14 to 15, and then like once I got a little bit older, it's like I got even more into it, and now it's just like just such a good movie it's like you can pop it on whenever you know and it's just like satisfying to watch it is satisfying yeah i satisfied i definitely had so you want to hear something it's not really that funny but i found it funny especially after finally watching this (laughs) i i (laughs) confused this movie throughout my childhood no with true lies True lie, and and what? I thought for I thought for the <laughs> longest time that like Tarantino was responsible for true lies, and I'm like, why <laughs> are people James making Cameron. a big? De- why are people Dude. making that big of a deal out of this movie? Like Tarantino it, had his hands in this movie, and you're the I was biggest like, There's no fucking, fucking James way. Cameron fan too. Oh. Surprised, Dude, Dude dead ass. I I Blue's literally one fan. I thought. True, I thought that true romance, what people were referring to, they were talking about true lies for way too long. And then, <laughs> and then, like, I don't know, definitely, definitely, like, shortly out of high school, finally, like, sitting down and watching it. And it was like, this is an insane fucking adventure of an ensemble cast and or Christian Slater and his weird, you know, faux military jacket that he yeah. also wore. Fucking Mr. Robot, you Jack. know, just like just I'm gonna pump up the shit. volume. It's just fucking, you know, dude. It's a very, it is a very similar outfit. I'm telling you, that's what I'm saying, dude. It's, <laughs> it's, it's his Mr. Robot thing. outfit. It is. <laughs> he hasn't changed, is what we're no. getting at. But no, so that that was kind of my first time. I definitely saw this later, like later on. I did not see this. Yeah, like, me too. I just always thought it was the other film. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger with a gun <laughs> on the cover with a grenade under like True Lies or oh whatever. Oh my god, yeah, no, no. See, True Lies, I knew when I was very young and for a long time, always enjoyed it. This one, I did not find as well until I was like eighteen or older. It was not always on. Like I think I, you know, maybe it was on HBO or something. I was gonna say I, there. I feel like I'm this is sure definitely was, an HBO movie. But but I I guarantee like for a while I didn't confuse it with anything, but I was just put off by the title True Romance. I'm mm. like, yeah, this sounds like a fucking great movie for Mike to watch right now. <laughs> like the last thing that I would want to watch is like a chick flick like super romantic like the tr- you know like yeah. like fucking Blue Lagoon is what I'm thinking of when I hear true romance basically it's like I don't want no thanks Brooke Shields <laughs> Brooke Shields naked sure oh wait she's like 16 this is weird no thanks no one wants that movie to ever be a thing it was real it's called Blue Lagoon and I, uh, I was, yes, yeah, sorely mistaken on the title True Romance when I finally watched this and was like, oh, this is the exact kind of movie that I like. Great. I've been missing out. Life sucks. It's not that so, funny either, but feel bad for me, everyone. <laughs> so when like, so when you finally sat down and, and like experienced this, like what was the biggest thing that stuck with you after watching it? Because like like you or like uh, me, like I, it took me a minute to see it. Like I didn't see it at, at such I, a young age as Joey. Yeah, I don't I think it was I I think it's obvious for for me or I don't know, or maybe you or someone like me to to relate to mm-hmm. Clarence in a lot of the ways. And oh, 100%. Like, yeah, and like that's always what really uh, stuck with me because you know believe it or not when I was younger I wasn't like a, a ladies man or anything I was definitely <laughs> also looking at Spider-Man comics talking to somebody about it and within a minute they are not interested at all in the slightest and him like finding a girl that is into that was probably like my dream the first 16 years of my life or something you know <laughs> like that's just that's what you want you want to find that that one person that is perfect for you, you know. I don't. Yeah. You can keep quiet, Lou. Doesn't pertain. You're ma- happily married. You found that. Not all of us did, fucker. Okay. Yeah, yeah, but bro, I wasn't <laughs> married when I first saw this. I'm, no, I'm, I know. I can I, know. I can easily talk with you. Or talk, I know. Like, I know. Obviously, I know. Obviously, I'm just like just sit there in silence, Mister Married Man. No, I'm listening. I've never I'm had listening love to... in my. Li- no, I know. I know. I'm listening to what you're saying. I. I it's I a can therapy. It's that. a therapy session, and I need to laugh about this because I'm so alone, guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're fine. But yeah, it was just his character because the rest of the movie is like just full-blown ridiculous adventure that would never happen in real life you know obviously this is cinema and a tarantino story but uh i yeah a lot of a lot of shit about like wow clarence is cool and like he's also a nerd but he and likes movies though and dresses kind of interesting and has the weirdest kinds of friends named dick it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, that was relatable. That was that was what stuck with me. Hey, what were, I'm what driving. <laughs> okay. Hey, there's a guy in the window. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Mr. Richard. <laughs> that was great. You are a excellent actor. 
<laughs> we'll give you a call. <laughs> Got a little bit of entourage bleeding into this. That's like a pre-Johnny drama type. He's basically, oh, yeah. he's like the template of Johnny drama because he's like a way shittier, like stupider version of that type of like, hey, look, it's uh, cinema portrayed in cinema. <laughs> Behind the scenes, getting a role and shit. Yeah, he's just the, he's a weak Johnny drama for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when he gets the call, dude. I got a seven o'clock callback. I still sound like I'm from fucking New York. I'm Michael Rappaport. I'm the same in everything, you know? <laughs> he funny. really does he really does have a way about him. <laughs> no, I know. That's why I was like, <laughs> like Kevin Dillon is sure. obviously way better at playing it because mm-hmm. he's like a complete different character as drama and Michael Rappaport is just like playing himself in this he's not that great of an actor i I like him he's funny but like you don't say michael rapaport is a phenomenal actor that's not a sentence that exists you're like michael rapaport is funny when he talks about conor mcgregor or pretends to be him you know like (laughs) that's what he does that's what he does that's what he fucking does what uh what stuck with it for you when you were older or joey when you were younger what was your stick with like you uh, asked me. The question you asked me back at you, Boomerang. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, you wanted to what... look like Gary Oldman. I get it, Joey. Let's let Lou go. <laughs> it was that, that, it was yeah, that easy. <laughs> that easy. <laughs> no you scar. No you don't have a missing misty eye. eye, though. You don't have a misty <laughs> no, eye, not, though. Uh, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not We're yet. working on that. All right. <laughs> I, I, think... got the, I got glasses, though. We're halfway there. Yeah, you got oh. glasses. i think i think one of the big things that like really stuck with me about this movie is first and foremost again we've already talked about just the sheer number of people that's what really stuck with me like when i took a step back and i was like wow like i just watched a lot of people who either a became very famous after this movie or continued the trajectory of their careers following like this in terms of like the chronological order of shit that they were in this took place you know this was this was released in the early 90s and like a lot of those actors and actresses like they continued on with their careers ups and downs lefts rights whatever but like that was a wild cast like yeah like like, when i when i finally saw this like you know this was you know late 2000s you know i was in college you know Mm -hmm. so so like i as far as the idea of an ensemble cast we already had the oceans movies we already had all these mm-hmm. other movies that it's like, that's a commonplace rat race. Right. It's a commonplace. Yes. I expect the, the, the ensemble movies. So like seeing this, it's like, wow, this was 93. And yeah, it's, it's not like the big chill, but like, I even feel like there's more people in this than the big chill. You oh, know what I'm I saying? Mean, the, the big chill is like the beginning for a lot of their careers. Right. And then they all are like famous afterwards right. this is like people that are famous as well as continue to be, or were like propelled after, this movie you know mm-hmm. just absolutely everyone. yeah it's like you said with samuel jackson it's just like what is he doing yeah for was that a favor minute. was that yeah. like a favor did Nominated you know for a fucking best actor oscar the next year for pulp fiction for his insane like monologuing and you know mm-hmm. legendary performance <laughs> and, and this was just yeah i know the dude who wrote it what do you mean it's, i know that motherfucker <laughs> I think I think like that. So definitely, definitely the cast stuck with me after like the first watch through. And <laughs> oddly enough, what really grossed me out in this movie is watching Patricia Arquette lick 
Christian Slater's yes, hairy like tummy. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I could see the hair in her tongue. Yeah, yeah I also like that was that was that was committed foul, dude. That was full on commitment. All right, because you get you get dude, to see your boobie, you get the, to see your you get to see your tits, and they're great. But it's like on the yeah, flip I know. side, it's Same like thing. I watched her put his stomach hair in her mouth. Yeah, some guys have hairy stomachs, all right? I do too, but like just to see <laughs> that visually on screen, I was like, holy shit, this is like this she's is committed. Real. She's committed yeah. to the why do you think I through romance? That's why I wanted to relate to him so bad. I was like, she's so fucking hot. Damn. I was like, she's the one that's cool. I want, you know, fucking mm-hmm. the the she's kissing Kate Barlow, motherfucker. Kissing Kate Barlow. I shouldn't. That's it. Three words. I don't need to say anymore. All right. I did really like flirting with disaster as well when I was younger, though. That's a crooked teeth Ben Stiller. Still, you know. I was gonna say the the Leonard Love Skinner song. Yeah. No. <laughs> Fucking movie. An oh Earth, my god. David O. Russell's like first or second film. Ben Stiller was an actor in it, and was that like pre? Patricia was that pre heavyweights? Ben Stiller. No, it's or was like, that right around the same time? It's it's like ninety five or ninety six. Okay. So it's literally about the it had same. Had to be the same time. But, I feel uh, like heavyweights ninety six, ninety seven too, like somewhere around there. Yeah, but they could have filmed it earlier because his team oh, yeah, all messed yeah. up in something about Mary, and that movie is like three years after that. Yeah, you it was ninety eight, ninety nine, right? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just like you know, like fucking uh, Top Gun Maverick coming out now. That movie was filmed like three years ago, dude. And That's then crazy. and then COVID and they were just like, nah, we want money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice sit on it, Tommy boy. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Big surprise, right? But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. That the the cast stuff. Like, I don't I don't think I was that balls deep into like movie guy who knows names at like eighteen at that point. Yeah, I didn't think of it like, oh wow, like look at all. I'm looking back on these people twenty years later and they're all still famous. You know, it was just like what I said. Like, oh hey, the bad guy from Speed. Like, oh, kissing Kate Barlow's in this. Oh, fucking, I don't know, Brad Pitt. <laughs> I accept, ex- same thing, though. First time I watched this movie, did not realize that was Brad Pitt because it is such a small role. Also didn't realize that was Gary Oldman because that's what Gary Oldman does. And he succeeds mm-hmm. if you don't realize who he is. But I, like, I literally remember re-watching this movie and reading, and literally, like, oh, Christopher Walken's in this movie. Didn't remember that. Oh, fucking Brad Pitt is in this movie. Didn't remember. Just all of these like parts that I was like, where did these guys come from? What? Did, what? Fucking Chris Penn is in this movie. Holy shit. You know, dude, big yeah. parts that weren't the main, the leads, you know, all mm-hmm. there's, there's so many of them, dude. So many one-off scenes here. Like every time I rewatch this and he goes to Drexel, I'm like, dude, that's it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> game over game over for everyone there and the and the movie starts basically it's a yeah. very like slow build of like introducing and establishing the two leads for half an hour and like then the movie starts and it's still like two hours just two hours i think i think of- you're right I think it is. I think it's. I think it's like two hours and three minutes, or two hours and one minute, or something feel, ridiculous. Cause, yeah, because yeah, it's because it feels perfect, dude. Like yeah. it, it doesn't feel like it's you know, too long, and that's the golden window for if you want to do 
a movie longer than 90 minutes. You know, one thing that's so golden about this movie too, is just like every scene has something happening just to progress the story. It's every not like, scene like, is there's so no, good. there's no filler. Yeah. You know, dude, there's like improvised scenes with like, um, with Elliot and the cops and shit when all yeah. that starts happening. And I'm just like, how did they find the time? <laughs> to, imp- to improvise these scenes like they fit perfectly they seem like they were always there like yeah. how, how improvised are we talking is there no direction at all here like well, I Tom feel Sizemore like doesn't improv- shouting and pointing guns. there's no I, way fucking Tom Sizemore oh, dude you get a coked up you get a coked up enough coked Tom up, Sizemore okay, and he is, is going to be oh, yeah. improvising this and he, is I, the 90s I, I, I guarantee me re- you let me remember the time period we're in again with real romance here I forgot I forgot gone fishing ladies and gentlemen I know gone for a fact that there were totally fishing. scenes that like Tom Sizemore was He's just straight so, up winging it dude so gack the fuck out dude gack the fuck out Gacked, what a fucking so, phrase! That so great. He still he still works. He still works. Oh no, he was great. I mean, he was great in this movie. He still does jobs. Mm-hmm. He still does jobs. Yes, he does. He still gets shit. He was a fucking detective in Natural Born Killers, and yep. he was he was in Heat. Actually, he was probably a bad guy in Heat. You got to think Pearl Harbor. I watched Harbor Heat a few well. months ago. Oh yeah, but then that's why, dude. Then it gets to the war movies, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. I watched yeah. a, a Nazi zombie movie that he was in. Uh, Pearl Harbor the last, and like, Black Hawk Down were those the same year, dude? He literally went from like being a cop or a bad guy and everything to being a fucking war soldier. <laughs> was that O one or O two? Yeah, yeah. It was one yeah. of, dude. Fucking what? Tom Sizemore. And he was in some horror thing. You thought? Recently? No, I, wa- I watched him in. It was it was like a Nazi zombie movie. Some like real, real, like almost Nazi like a D movie, like operator outpost Black Sun or something like that. It wasn't good. That sounds like what he's been doing <laughs> the last like fifteen wasn't years, good. though. That's why. Yeah, that's that's what he uh that's what he's been doing the last fifteen years. Straight to DVD, mm-hmm. C C action, D horror. Yeah, shit like that. He was also the creepy mm-hmm. truck driver for an episode in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Creepy <laughs> truck driver? Oh, my God. Straight up. He wants to fuck uh, Mac and Charlie. Oh, <laughs> or Mac and Dennis. Dude. Mac and Dennis. Mac and Dennis. That's yes. what it is. That is, that is exactly when that happens. That's so oh funny. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So good good memories. That's a good episode. That's True a great romance. episode. <laughs> Frank, Frank eats the fucking bird. Or he oh, bites the bird yeah. to, to, or the or the rabbit, I think it is. And the, then his, and then his stomach's like yeah. killing him or something. Yeah. Oh my god, dude, <laughs> so ridiculous. Yeah, no Danny DeVito in this one. No. Sorry, sorry guys, we tried. This movie is very instantly just like this is like pop culture references mixed with fucking violence and drama and romance and just everything really comes together somehow. Within that like five minute cold open, when you haven't even met like any of the other characters, in my mind, weird vibes, right? Oh yeah, yeah. right That's from the, right from it. the beginning. Sunny Chiba, it's... I like kung fu. I am basically Tarantino. You know, it's a character that you're like, he doesn't seem like a piece of shit yet. So like, I like this. Let's let's see what happens. Mm-hmm. Maybe well, we then... can get pie after this movie, and things will be perfect. You know. <laughs> well, then also like the Do idea like that pie? he's. Like, oh, I love pie. Do you like to get pie after eating movies? That's sure. Do. It's like, fuck it. Does a does a pope have a shiny, pointy white hat? 
it's it's the I, I think the other part of this too to your point where it's like this talk about vibes it's like he's talking Vibin. he's talking to Elvis or what he believes to be Elvis he's consulting with you know I know little does he know it's Jim Morrison exactly <laughs> so it's like same and, thing also did not know for about five times watching this movie that that was Val Kilmer no idea no that that one no that one idea was a credit reveal kind of <laughs> credit thing. reveal go on yeah. <laughs> no but it's like this is it's just i don't know like if somebody were to sit down and be like all right i want you to explain this movie give me your elevator pitch of what this movie is yeah and it's like right. you can you can say so many things what's yours it, this okay so this movie is basically a romantic comedy drug bust getaway heist fucking uh hairy ass tummies Boom, and, your time is up. That's and trying to pitch it, trying to sell a fucking movie to make money off. You know, like hairy ass tummy. So it's like you know, you you try and think of what this is, and it's so many things. It's not just romantic comedy. I know, it's not it's just so a fucking heist. heist. I use the term heist with big air quotes. It's not a heist movie. It, it's <laughs> a fucking I don't know, like. It's it's a it's a number of different things. That's what I'm getting at. That's the what po- I think. Potpourri yeah. of a movie. Sure, it's exactly. Got so many aspects and angles that just like draw you to it, you know. Which yeah. is that, in it. That and they're sucking face literally the whole time. Oh this yeah, this entire movie they right. They have... So so is the appeal that it's just hey, look at these two young hot fucking actors that are going to be fucking the whole time. Who doesn't like watching young hot people fuck? That's like the home business. Mm-hmm. That's that's that, that's what porn makes your money on. <laughs> yeah, porn. <laughs> Among other things, you gotta yeah. have like the dong and the boobs for it, and like, yeah, I mean, Patricia Arquette has the has the boobs, which she got the whole nine yards. Dude. We only need, yeah, we only need a little bit of, but she's you got. Do, yeah, you do see Christian like the the silhouette of Christian Slater's ass. Oh, that's that true. That, yeah. That's what they need. Yeah, you don't need a dick in these type of movies or anything. Yeah. They sh- they show his skinny skinny white boy butt. And, <laughs> this and is I'm, like some Skinamax shit, we, you know? Do, yeah, I didn't consult like too many too many uh, of of my friends that are girls on this. I should have been like, "Yo, did you like cream when you saw Slater's butt?" Because they might have. They very well could have. I sure did when I saw Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> this is like up there with like Desperado, like Selma Hayek, like level shit though, where you're just watching oh, the yeah. movie and then it happens and it's so brief it's like, that you're Whoa! like, okay, re- re- we can rewind this, right? We can re- this is a VHS. Rewind it immediately. I have anxiety. Pause. <laughs> yeah. One hundred percent. It's a pause moment. One hundred percent. It's not objectifying it because they're great actors as well. So we can't help it that they're also hot. This is the, this is the movie business's fault. Okay, we're not here that, inventing all of this. We're just sharing our opinions here at Indecisive Opinions. That's, that's how it what works. the movie business wants you to, to to believe. Yeah, and you guys don't need to fucking conform to it, man. It's all your fault out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially for when this movie came the out audience. too yeah, it's so 90s that's what i mean like yeah. it's oh, fine yeah. it's fine look at this with the lens of the 90s and you're like all right this is fine like yeah there's the one white dude who thinks he's black and he's a fucking idiot and he's racist and then there's the obviously like racist scene with the sicilians and dennis Hopper. but like that's on purpose he knows he's gonna die and he's just like fuck these guys i'm not giving up my son you know yeah it's a really good like dad moment in a mm-hmm. scene Cause that's what I took it as when I first watched this when I was younger. Like we said, PC culture was not 
every fucking where all mm-hmm. the time like it is right now. We're 20s, 30 years old. When we were younger, everyone talked like they did in the first few seasons of Entourage in New York. That's just how it was. I don't care if you didn't want to believe it or not. Shit was derogatory and not that great all the time. So when I see Mm -hmm. somebody here in this movie dropping N-bombs to a bunch of Sicilians because they want to find and kill his son, I'm like, okay, I get the comedy behind this in the 90s. Remember the lens Mm -hmm. of the 90s? And and I see it as a as a moment in the story of where it's the only scene with these two characters, as we've mentioned. And this guy is a father. He's going to protect his son, even though he hasn't seen him in three years. And he would give him money. He fucking loves him. You know, they established mm-hmm. that relationship already. And so that we- right there. Is true romance. That's between a father and a son, man. There's nothing more pure and real than gone fishing. And that's just, it's, I, you know, obviously it's like, ah, yeah, Tarantino dropping N bombs. Only, only so many people that can get away in Hollywood with this type of fucking shit still. He's one of them. He's one of them, but also this is 1993. Like mm-hmm. this is this mm-hmm. is be this is before he even was Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, he had one movie out, one movie. You mm-hmm. there? You know, I mean, it's obviously fantastic. Like Steve Buscemi, he's in it. You're a god. That's he. He should already be a household name, but he wasn't yet. And this was just like, a, oh, newcomer Tarantino has a screenplay here, but don't Ridley's brother's gonna direct it. I'm sure everyone was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's see what happens. And then real romance. <laughs> then it happens. But I don't know. That's that's my just my intro with the with the characters. And yeah, as it goes on, like I was saying, you know, I know there's a lot of things that seem like they didn't age well in this, but but it's they're very minor scenes and they're all with characters that are in one or two scenes and then it's done. Then it's romantic action comedy thriller air quote heist like you said mm-hmm. Lou it's just it's just everything and 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 I like how I like how it progresses man I like how the romance angle is thrown in there and they mm-hmm. fuck and it's beautiful we've gotten into that scene already got to leave it on pause but then like <laughs> the moment of when she's crying and he's just like what did I do wrong tell me I'm from New York but I sound like I'm from the south no one understands it you know and the, and she basically lays out like plot device you know yeah oh i'm actually a call girl like i For was hired days. yeah i've been a call You're girl but quiet. yeah dude it's really really funny but i i don't know dude just a great way to like give the audience information you know like you said joey there's no lulls of like these scenes or like dumb filler moments there's always like it's plot building universe enhancing or or building or whatever you want to call it like until the like last 30 minutes where it's just full-on climax and then the movie's done yeah and i really like how it progresses throughout meeting each of these characters uh in the the first 40 minutes movie it's like it's just how the scenes just go together like that it's just like Dude, Never Tarantino, it's excitement. That's it's that's chronological, what, that's what it, but like he still is nailing it, you know? Yeah. That's what I mean. That's kind of what I like about t- Tarantino movies too, is they're kind of similar to that. Yeah, even if they're out of order, they go to they go together. That's yeah, like Whamalamalama could baby did dong. They go together. I know. 
There's no other way to describe it. I was, Grease was on at work the other day. Give me a fucking break, dude. Hey, it's all it was good. It's awesome. Man. It's all good, man. It's all good. That was awesome. The, uh, the, the, the nice thing, too, about like the pacing of this movie is even though, and this is this is one thing that I, like, we're, oh I was kind of jo- joking about the score. No, 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 I'm not doing the Hollow Earth bit yet. Oh, oh um, okay. The, the, one thing, <laughs> the one thing I wanted to mention, the one thing I want to mention is, like, I know I was, like, poking fun at the score, but, like, I think that's what also really, like, make, like makes me struggle with trying to pinpoint exactly what this movie is because you get the you know, the obligatory fucking like Caribbean weekend at Bernie's overboard music, but then it transitions to like, <laughs> now this is an action sequence. And then there's like the suspenseful build. Yes. And then there's like, there's definitely some weird choices in there, but like that makes it all the more difficult to be like, what the fuck is this? I know what it is, but like it, it almost gets to the point. What isn't this movie? Yeah. It's the type of shit that, you know, it, it doesn't work all the time. You're firing on all cylinders with all these different tones and shit and it and like it's hit or miss basically mm-hmm. and this movie was a complete hit with it though and we've seen dozens of movies after this nowadays that like it doesn't hit or it becomes a cult movie or is very specific with its audience or something you know especially horror movies we're all horror movie fans it's fucking niche dude you can yeah. do one little thing wrong and the whole fucking fan base is like fuck you I, we're fucking picketing with torches outside of your house right now throwing bricks through the windows like yeah it's very very specific and uh i agree with you i agree with you but i I, i'm i'm down with the fucking weird plinky steel drums though (laughs) it's percussive get off my back it's it's something (laughs) it's definitely percussive it's Uh, so cool it's so cool it's it's so cool Joey, did your no? Did your parents show you this, or was this something that you just like? You're doing a, I mean, yeah, a search sure online for like I, celebrity boobies, and like this movie popped. He was up. on like, Mr. I Skin, dude. It. He was on Mr. Nice. Skin. He just watched. Oh, that's dog. right. He was on Mr. Skin. <laughs> nice. No, no. Um, boobs and bush. Boobs and bush. Yeah, this was just a the movie bushes a long time ago. It wasn't necessarily they were just you know making me watch this movie. It's just something they put on, and I just happened to watch it with them. You know. So yeah. this was this was a parent introduced. Okay. It's oh a yeah. Parent introduced. It's one or two with Joey. So yeah. It's a good, yeah. It's good. I'm I'm not I'm not very. You it's know. pretty similar with me too though. Like there's eras of like my parents showed me this and then I'm 15 and it's like I went and saw this in the theater with friends mm-hmm. and then it's like in my 20s and I'm just like I was stoned in my basement. How do you watch? That's it. I want to watch. I like to watch the thing. Yeah, like how interesting can I be right now? So like, so I, I do it every I, night. I think this. I think this scene like doesn't. I don't. I I think this scene aged okay. I don't think it didn't. But I'm sure that if you would ask other people, they'd be like, ah, I don't know. How would you describe? How would each Which of you one? describe that? That fight sequence between uh, James Gandolfini. Gandolfini yeah like how oh, would you do dude, how would, would you describe that fight you know scene? what I'm just there's I'm just gonna say one sentence and that sentence is nobody knows quite how to beat a woman like Tony Soprano that's just yeah. you, you know yeah what yeah. are you gonna what are you gonna do all right it's, <laughs> that's a fucking joke it's a joke this is, this is like seven years before the Sopranos but like that scene is intense and like just goes on and has layers to it. Like, yeah, 
I know like, it really beats the shit out of her. Too. Yeah, like obviously, oh, it yeah. do- doesn't age well that it's the fact that like this dude is beating up a woman, but like. I don't know. I think it kind of lends some like insane badassness to Alabama for like the same thing as Dennis Hopper like dying for or you know is whatever Mr. Worley dying for his son. Mm-hmm. Like like she's like not giving up anything and is just like laughing and being crazy basically and it's so awesome every reaction that she gives him is yeah. fucking perfect. <laughs> It's so badass. Oh, like, it's great. Dude, she's literally just like one of the hottest like female leads like in the nineties, like ever. It's very like Pam Greer inspired, like badass woman, but isn't gonna go out and just fucking shoot you all up or anything. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. role of the woman and getting beaten and taking it and like still ends up fucking killing the shit out of them. They each get their fucking kill moments by themselves, you know? Yep. They each get to kill somebody that is a shitty human being, obviously. And, like, James Gandolfini is just great at playing, like, a fucking meathead-like piece of shit, you know? Yeah. Dude, the Sopranos, like, get shorty, the Mexican. Dude, he's just, like, it's just what he does, man. It's an insane, real good at it. insane fight scene. I don't know about, like, how well things have aged, because, you know, punk rock is, like, not super affiliated with like pc culture it's like everything can fly if it's truly like all right and if it's really not like fuck you like nazis go mm-hmm. fuck yourselves <laughs> fuck like, like fucking transphobes go fuck yourselves and you know it goes on to specific things like that like this exactly. is this is a this is a movie and you got to look at it with that lens of like the characters and how it is like he works for the fucking mob dude i know tony soprano but like still that's it's not i'm not saying it's all right to hit a woman as a guy it's absolutely not ever never never ever 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 never, ever, ever, ever. Never. but in this movie like does it seem that implausible for a fucking mob dude looking for what is it half a million in cocaine yeah something like that yeah you, and they want to know it you think the mob wouldn't implement those measures on a guy or a girl like come on dude that's fucking the godfather everything has set that shit up fucking mm-hmm. fucking ruthless man like that's you know it's just the story it's a different time looking at it now is just like yeah you know maybe obviously no one's gonna do that in like a type of movie it doesn't hold up but it's just a whole nother layer of that like dark fucked up type of thing like feeling that this movie has as well as all the other feelings that it has i don't know how to describe it see it's like i i feel like one of the best scenes in the movie too well i feel like it does hold i feel like it holds up in the sense that like it's powerful well to your point it's like it does emulate exactly what one would expect to have happened to them the way they stole half a million dollars worth of drugs from yeah yeah yeah. the way organized crime family that that is how that would happen yeah then yes precisely yeah Precisely. And it's like, you know, I feel like nowadays it's like, especially with newer movies, especially with crime films, it's like we as I, I just feel like as as a society, it's like, yeah, we're totally fucking desensitized. So it's like sitting yeah, there and watching, exactly, showing that to dude. somebody nowadays are gonna be like, all right, whatever. I, I saw something worse on fucking FX. 
on a TV show and I, yeah. on FX or whatever, you know, it's like, wow, damn, we've yeah. gotten that liberal with our fucking primetime TV. <laughs> They've like, seen Jesus every Christ. other Tarantino movie. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, so it's like, yeah, that's, it's a brutal scene and it's one of the, it sticks out besides, you know, Patricia Arquette looking, you know, Slater's tummy, hairy tummy. It's like, that yep. is another scene <laughs> that really sticks out because it's, it goes on. It does and just on, go on and, and on and on. on. There's all these it's other comical. scenes where it's, it's like almost inter- comical. There's interrogation moments between, <laughs> uh, like Drexel, you know, and then the Sicilians and Mister Worley. There's like this interrogation process to it that's very like a TV element, you know. Mm-hmm. But with her and him, or whatever Alabama and whatever the fuck Gandolfini's character's name is that I can't think of right now. They're like, he knows she's fucking lying right away. And she knows that he's there to fuck some people up and find the cocaine right away. And they're just fucking with each other. And once it gets to that fight, it's like, there's like three different shots going back to like other scenes happening with like, yeah. Transitions uh, with, with away like, with and like back Dick. to it like Dick and Clarence and other shit. And then it goes back to them still fighting. You're just like, Jesus fuck. <laughs> it's wild. There's so mm-hmm. much blood and glass. And in aftershave at one point, And then aftershave, I do, I, I will yeah. say, don't want to get it in your eyes. I know Macaulay Culkin doesn't like it on his cheeks, but also hurts your eyes. Well, that and open wounds because he fucking split his scalp. Like Dude, open wounds. They pour that fucking bourbon on like uh, Dennis Hopper's hand when they open that up there's so many just like fucked moments it like little fucked moments throughout this movie like that like oh that would suck in real that would suck in real life (laughs) i I want to feel that that would fucking hurt my cut i can feel it when i see it i want to talk about all of the different things that it took to bring james gandolfini down and oh my god i'm gonna gonna start with the i'm gonna start with the so you got the wine key you got the statue on the head that breaks. You've got Elvis. the toilet seat. The toilet seat. Yes, the Elvis yeah. bus. Toilet the to- seat. The, or the oh. toilet. The toilet lid. The top of the lid. Very the lid. Saints. You Obviously, know. the aftershave in the fucking wound. And then you had the fucking. You had the goddamn Aquanet flamethrower to the fucking head. Dude, that yeah. is that is when I see that. It just I love the like shitty effect of it seeming like it's like from dust till dawn. Of like, oh, hey, of st- insert stunt guy here, but like, yeah. but I love it, right? Yeah. Oh, Who yeah. gives a fuck? We grew up on Evil Dead. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> it's just it, so cool and like layered. Of like, how do we? Yeah, how do I? How do I kill this guy as a, as a woman without like a gun right here? And then and, and but as as you're saying, last one, she takes his gun. <laughs> oh yeah, and then beats him with it too. Fires off mm-hmm. a couple rounds until it's empty, and then gets on top of him on her knees and starts wailing him with it. What a badass fucking individual, right there. <laughs> well, as far as the, mo- she, like the loves, makeup de- she loves her man. What is that, Joey? True fucking romance. You heard it here first, folks. Nice. That's what we're talking about here. Welcome to Indecisive Opinion. We're talking about true romance. In case we're talking you didn't about true know, romance. Five minutes into the podcast, <laughs> we're talking about true romance today. Welcome back. It's gone fishing, actually. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, wrong title. Welcome back. Welcome back. What are we watching? True Lies. 
True lies. <laughs> right, Jamie Lee. No, no Jamie Lee slipping that one though. That is trading nah. places for all you out there that need to see the uh, blackface that does not hold up. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Oh, Oof. God, yeah. Oof. So um. So so so. What you could also we... catch Jamie Lee in, in another uh, swap movie. Um, swap. It was called Freaky, Freaky Friday. Friday. Got my she girl Lindsay in it. Yeah. My girl Lindsay shreds the guitar, dude. Mark Harmon, bro. Mark mm. fucking Harmon. She's like, oh, I yep. don't want to kiss you, Mark Harmon. And it's like, yeah, right. Of course you want to kiss Mark Harmon. Everyone wants to kiss Mark Harmon. Everyone wants to make out with Gibbs. You kidding me? Get is, on this with your, this. is this your is this your Elvis moment, Mike? What? I, is this I, your Elvis I, moment? I just thought we all I just, I just thought we all felt like that. I just thought we all we all grew up with the classic eighties summer comedy hit summer school with Mark. I just I thought we all okay. All right. No, I was more of I was more of a Clooney guy myself. No, 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 I no, but that's what I mean. Like the classic like actor guy with the going gray. No, I know. Mark Harmon. Mark. Mark, I know. I know. I I love Clooney too, dude. Listen, Clooney's privy to a lot of ladies, but (laughs) (laughs) if uh if we gotta jump more into this and and from the Sicilians and the the scene with them and you know the middle of the movie any anything you guys you guys want to lay out there now because i got i got a thing or two yeah go ahead go ahead man all right joey joey unless you got some yeah you got yeah joey what do you got we're we're getting some pretty cool scenes yeah we're getting we're making sure we're making sure we're getting everything uh um I'm, i'm checking my notes here i like how michael rapaport says like there's that beat moment of like you know how much coke this is? No. Do you? I don't know. It's a fucking lot of coke. <laughs> it's just like yeah, no, no shit. Sherlock. No, really. Like what? thanks, Michael Rappaport playing a, a himself, not in, not most intelligent character. Like, <laughs> ah, come on, buddy, come on, dude. Man. How about a uh, very Gary funny woman getting his dick shot off? Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Okay. Also. <laughs> Scenes I don't need to be reminded of on the regular. Thanks, Joey. <laughs> so, so hey, he actually, had dreads. I, he had dreads and got his. He dick did shot have dreads. Okay, so you watch your fucking ass. Right, no, you got to watch your dick, Mike. Gonna... Mike, don't shoot my dick, or else you'll be funky. <laughs> so, like, the the one thing I wanted to talk about Gary Oldman before we move on is he does have one of the better lines in this movie, and he's like, "I may be pretty, but I'm not as pre- pretty as a pair of titties." And I'm like, "That's that's really good." That's like acknowledging the fact that like you're, hit, dialogue. you're hideous, so <laughs> but you're appreciating the the physique of uh, of a woman, you know, like it's I think that's his <laughs> weird way of admitting that. And uh, I applaud I applaud the writers. I applaud Tarantino. Yeah, not and, everyone's uh, all not everyone's all dirt deep down. Yeah. There's there's some <laughs> some some uh, some worms in there. So and he was an, he, and he was an ugly motherfucker in that movie. Ugly, but dude, and we all know Lou knows an ugly motherfucker when he sees one. How would we say that this character <laughs> uh, matches up to the likes of uh, Scar, Mark Boone Jr. Oh. from uh, oh of, my of the, uh, the Quick and the Dead <laughs> fame, the of, ugly motherfucker of, of ugly motherfuckers with just ma- like makeup jobs that are fantastic, though. Ah. <sighs> You think when he first Gary Oldman has to have his own makeup person, right? Because he's always in shit. He's got to. He always looks. He always looks sweaty. 
He always looks sweaty. Well, if you fucking watch, if you watch Leon the Professional and you watch every scene that he's in, he <laughs> looks moist. He's Leon. damp. He's damp. He is, is he doing damp. that much drugs to where his fucking like his heart is beating out of his chest? Yes, this or, is nineties old man. I 90s. know, but it's just like it's so off-putting, like seeing it because I'm like, am I that damp in real life all he's the time? Very good I don't do that damp. many drugs. Like no. it just it makes me wonder. Like it makes me self-conscious. You know how you're talking about like I feel embarrassed, but. You shouldn't feel embarrassed yeah, for Gary Oldman. Yeah, no, you, no, no, you no, shouldn't no, be. No. But like, even, motherfucking even t- Charlie Bronson here. I'm telling you right now, like, even look at fucking dude and that Azkaban. and that weird ass dangling damp motherfucker. He's got it in his face. Yeah, but that's like all like his his like teeth and like he was in prison and he's, he's super serial. Serious. He's super serial Ooh. and super needs a fucking shower. Don't even bring up Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> Such a phenomenal flick. It is a phenomenal flick. I'm not disputing that. <laughs> not disputing it's, that. I just mean how he looks in all of these movies. It's like he's not just like shows Damn. up shows up for the set per the set spritzer person that like squirts him with water and that oh, yeah, yeah. he has his own personal like makeup guy the gary oldman's makeup guy is what it's, it's a whole trailer is. it's a it's whole gotta trailer be, dude for fucking hannibal and for like fucking the fifth element and all oh that yeah shit fifth element 100 yeah all that shit where he looks so fucking different and like tinker taylor soldier spy fucking dark knight you know like he's gotta have a gary oldman's makeup per- personnel like on the call sheet mm-hmm. <laughs> that is 100%. their title that is their title. And then he shows, like, yeah, that dangling lamp is a weird thing, but, like, you specifically get to shine that light on him and just be like, wow. <laughs> you're you're a terrifying motherfucker. Can we, can we go back to the tits, please? Yeah, exactly. Where's your denial, weirdo? I'll, I'll take Harry's stomachs over this. Yeah, I can maybe. The- yeah, no, I, that's better than that's better than the that's better than Gary Oldman's milky eye, <laughs> like fucking so bizarre looking. But but a great job, but a great job nonetheless. I I think that was definitely another yeah. thing that they they really nailed in this movie. Is like the costume department was great. Uh, however, yeah. they found a fucking like magenta Cadillac with fucking leopard print interior. Oh, can we talk oh, about on. that for fucking can five we talk seconds? About the fact that, can like we talk purple. about the fact that things all-wheel drive? Mm. <laughs> Bro, what the fuck? And he spins out of everything. Oh, he does not give a fuck about the price of those goddamn tires at those all. Those tires are balder than Michael Chiklis. Oh, hey. hey. I mean, I, he, he is. He is a, he is a shiny-headed, bald motherfucker. <laughs> kiss that chrome dome but uh speaking of spritzers and people looking damp i a a character we have yet to talk about that i am quite privy to in this film i I know who you're gonna talk about is hilarious is elliot blitzer yep (laughs) the nomination for most hilarious name in a film I believe Elliot Blitzer is the runner-up. Yes. Next to Sirius Black. And, yeah. uh, dude, just Elliot Blitzer is so similar to Elliot Spitzer. Like, how did we... <laughs> or, or Wolf Blitzer. How did... Or Wolf... That's dude, what I thought of when I said it. I was like, Elliot, Wolf Blitzer. That's who Elliot Blitzer is. Is It's Wolf Blitzer and Spitzer's love child. Ooh. In 93, years before Elliot Spitzer was a thing, though. But, dude... This I just this guy this guy's character is just like a fucking 
a shemp. He's just like such a ridiculous, like spineless, like like weenie. That every, he's a weenie. He's a weenie. He's a weenie, but he's hilarious. Every single thing that he does in this movie, I think, is funny. He's acting so tough. He's got the fucking tied sweater with the fucking tucked in polo shirt and some fucking khakis on, dude. Like, uh, the, hiked all the way up to the dogs with the pants and Ugh. those and those glasses and the fucking hair. Everything about this guy is just a funny weenie. Funny weenie. He's a fucking dink, dude. He's a dude, dink. He, he's a dingle bonk. Oh. He's a dink that thinks he's something. Oh, wait a second. I forgot. But he does have, connection, Bill... he does have connections, though. He does have yeah. well, yes, he does kind, have of, does, kind of, kind of, right? I mean, he did it. He did facilitate the whole meeting. Yes, exactly. Which is another character we haven't mentioned. Lee no. Donowitz, Saul but he also Rubinick, it all up too. Great, ridiculous. Yeah, I know. He, he's he does well. That's why he's a, he's a mess the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah dude, he's yeah. a fucking derp. Fucking weenie. Fucking dirt to dirt. Fucking Elliot Blitzer. Elliot Blitzer, dude. Hilarious. Is once once he's in the scenes with the cops too, like, and they're laughing at him and is just yeah. like the Cub Scouts of America here to sell you cocaine. So good. I do enjoy like how after that he's just like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm just like, yeah, this dude is like losing his mind. And we get to see this all happen with his character within like 30 minutes he has a character arc and he and he dies unfortunately you know like shit happens he kind of fucked it up so mm-hmm. maybe he deserved to you know but like yeah he's one of the people that when everyone dies at the end i, I was like ah, i kind of do feel bad for elliot though because he's such a guy you'd feel bad for because he's just such a fucking loser you know but why was such he, a dink were we led to believe that he sweat He's a Dinkelberg, much. dude. <laughs> because he was so he was wired and Ellie, like looks, it was on his crotch. Disgusting. <laughs> dude, take yeah, a shower, dude, man. You You're grossing like me out, bro. Dripping wet. That's what happens when you got a wire on your, your balls. fucking nut sack. <laughs> Saving Silverman, I can attach them to your balls. Nipples are fine. See? <laughs> There's only a, a finite amount of spots for the wires, guys. That's just that's how it works yeah. in the human body. Testicles, yeah. they're like a human antenna all right just buy your crotch i feel like i feel like every antenna (laughs) i feel like every movie though or every role that like bronson pin shows that i've seen him in and it's very few and far between three of them famous yeah i was gonna say famously (laughs) the one that i always go the the one i always go back to is langoliers and it's like oh i I was thinking okay yeah langoliers is like mine um just because like it's it's a very odd stephen king short or it's uh, not a short story but that's why it's not surprising for lou to be talking about it stephen king (laughs) yeah it's uh it's a very odd story in a nutshell there's a plane that essentially gets trapped uh, moving forward on airstrips and basically behind them, they're hearing the sound of the Langoliers, which are basically eating time and space. So as they are, tra- the plane is essentially their way to stay alive. If that makes any sense. Oh, and okay. Also, it's, it's, it's not that a good, after, was that after this too? This was like one of his like, yeah, I'm not really uh, in the business anymore type of shit. It's definitely, it was definitely a mid nineties. Yeah. It's a mid nineties. It's, yeah, it's a right. mid nineties. Like, because that was after like the, all of his other big roles, then basically was what I was getting at. Right, right. He's just like trying to cash in on something. Yeah. And for whatever reason, someone thought it was a good idea to adapt <laughs> this 
short story. I would say it's. I would say it's a short story. It's the nineties. What do you mean, Stephen King's City Titty, dude? But the Langoliers was was in Four Past Midnight, which like is a it's a collection. It's a collection yeah, but, of four stories. But it's a mini series, correct? It's not like a no, TV no, no, no. show or a movie. No, the Langoliers the Langoliers is a well, it's a mini series, I guess. Yeah. yeah exactly. A mini, mini that's TV. What I, that's what it's I'm like saying. It's like the stand. It's like the stand. No, yeah, exactly. And the shine and the Stephen King shining with yes. um with fucking Stephen Weber, you know, like that was mm-hmm. in the 90s. That's when all of that shit was happening perfect... that's why i'm not surprised like they chose a weird stephen king thing because it was like get any stephen king thing and make it into a tv movie basically after it like it was game over <laughs> mm-hmm. well it's like Just it's anything like... that was it that's yeah. what i think of you know yeah weird that's movie. that's what i think of him in and i fucking can't stand him in that movie. i cannot stand him in that show mini uh, it's basically I can't what, believe it's, you didn't say risky business. I was like, dude comes no. out of comes out of nowhere and is in risky business. It's like his first movie, first credit ever. Not even just first movie. Like, nope, it's the Langoliers. That's, that's the first movie you do. Fucking lucky motherfucker, Bronson Pinchot. <laughs> Ridiculous. This is my this is my favorite role that he's in though. I can I can forget about him. Uh, in those other movies, usually I know you lose a Stephen King guy, so he's you're stuck with that. But this is this is the uh, this is the definitive Bronson Pinchot that I think of. And besides another movie with Saul Rubinek, this is what I always think of him as as well. Because Lee Donowitz is like uh, end of the movie, like barely shows up. What at the hour fifteen mark? You know? Yeah. He's like the opposite yeah. of like Drexel and Christopher Walken. He's just there at the end and only has a few scenes. But when he's flipping out at Elliot right at the end there and like throws the coffee on him, I was like, oh, this is great. Like he just despises this kid and makes him like his bitch any chance he can get because he's a rich douchebag Hollywood motherfucker. Like playing that role very accordingly, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I mean, not I that think... I know any of those motherfuckers, but <laughs> I don't think. I don't think they could have cast that any better, you know, to have essentially the financiers, big shot guy who's all business. That's yeah. what I think I liked about his role is like he represented not like, hey, I'm, I'm I work for MGM. And he said, I think he made a joke about that. He's like, I don't this isn't you know, this isn't universal. Like yeah, I come in, yeah. to, I come in, I, I do what I can to turn a buck and I get out. It's yep. very simple business. Of, like, yeah, a lot of good entourage, uh, hullabaloo, like but fake Hollywood behind the scenes shit. But see, but see, you what know? was very interesting always, about that? I always like that. What I what I liked, especially on this time, like this rewatch through, it's like what I really appreciated about his role and like what he represented in the movie is you also have to think about what was happening in and around that time within Hollywood. It's like we we oh, had already yeah, seen dude. we had already seen the boom of like the home video like market. So like yeah, in his mind, it's worried. like a lot of shit. A lot of a lot of directors, a lot of people at the heads of uh, like different studios, especially smaller studios. It wasn't about putting together a fucking multi million dollar movie. It's about putting something out there that people are going to look at the box art in a video rental store and then take a chance on it. Yeah. You know, like that to me is like, OK, you're hitting a very specific type of Hollywood shark, you know, yeah. like and I thought that was really cool. It wasn't. They weren't pitching it to fucking, again, an MGM or a Universal or a Big Shot, fucking Disney, whatever. It's like, no, you're going for the seedy underbelly, like the real indie punk rock motherfuckers of like yeah, the, the right? industry. It's 90s. cool. I thought that was cool. I thought that 90s, was really cool. dude. Yeah, I know. I know. It's just, you know, someone, someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. 
Someone's got to be out there doing it. And uh, it's an interesting character, but I'm, uh, you know, <clears throat> biased with the with all the, you know, fake Hollywood shit. Mm. Obviously, Entourage has rubbed off on me. I love all that fake insider bullshit when they do it in movies. I just think it's like really like just the entirety of this is the end, you know? Yes. Th- that it's like that's perfect. That's what everybody wants is like seeing these guys playing themselves, like making jokes about that. Yeah, like, you know, yeah, Craig Robinson, great guy, sweats a lot, but he's a great guy. It's like, I bet you he does sweat a lot. And they're just like, dude, we got to do this. Like, let's give the world our inside jokes, you know? Mm hmm. Get, gotta mm-hmm. gotta love it. I'm always yeah. da- I'm always down with it. All the all the stupid Michael Rappaport being shitty Johnny drama basically is always really funny to me because it's like yeah he's just not a good actor. Like this is fucking hilarious. Berta from Two and a Half Men's there casting he's him, calling himself out for being a bad actor. Yeah, no, like yeah. for sure, for sure, dude. I mean, d- dude, Deep Blue Sea. We were talking about the other day. Yeah, love him, love him yeah. in it. Love him in it. That's one of his best roles for sure. But like, he doesn't get. He can't do a lot of those. He's mm-hmm. very. He's very like one or two. Very note. Fair, yes. It's just a comedian, dude. Like, yeah. not all the comedians can turn into <laughs> fucking Jim Carrey or you know Steve Carell and shit like that. You know, you can't just. All right, I'm gonna be Mr. Actor Guy Hollywood and do everything like that. Nah, I don't want to see that with Michael Rappaport. I want to see him being fucking funny and a loudmouth. <laughs> So, so I'm going to make a comparison with Rappaport. Bring it and on. I think that Rappaport in Deep Blue Sea is basically the equivalency of Eric Stoltz and Anaconda. Oh, man, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ner- nerdy dude that you do like. Nerdy dude that you like. You feel bad who's, for. Who's you, like. Who's expendable as fuck. He's expendable as fuck and like good enough in the role he's being cast for. Obviously, Stoltz, you know. I, I always, obviously, the first thing that always comes to mind was Stoltz fucking Pulp Fiction, yeah, um, and yeah, then obviously yeah. Anaconda. But he got like, kicked out of Back to the Future. He's, he's in the he, yes, he did get kicked out of Back to the Future. Um, <laughs> but in Anaconda, he's basically out for like a good three quarters of the movie. You know, like he's he's basically died. Have to turn the ship around. Oh you know, yeah, or, or yeah, no. It's, so it's like it's funny. It's right. funny to me. Not it's like Owen Wilson. Like fucking, you're dead. You, you die quick. No, no, no. He's first like, guy to die. Remember, he gets the fucking parasite or whatever. Like, I know. I was mixing body. them up. Yeah, I was mixing them up. I was like, yeah, first guy to die. But like, he. I was like, yeah, no, no, no. Right. He's like, he's down for the dude. Fucking like Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Exactly. Just like, just like is fuck. One thing happens and then is fucked up for the rest of the movie. Basically, you know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like I, I kind of, I kind of think of those two very si- in very similar roles as far as like they're good. Yeah, they're at not. Acting they're not in on like the in very specific either. things. No. Yeah. No. They're, they're good in. They're, they're good in swim lanes. Yeah. Yes. Swim yes. Lanes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. I can feel that. Because I that like was... Eric Stoltz too. Like he, yeah, that role in Pulp Fiction is perfect. Yeah, exactly. You need you need people like that, and that's you why again, need people like that love character actors, man. We here at Lurking Class support character actors almost over lead superstars most of the time. Honestly, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. seriously. If How much? Are... Here, go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 I got nothing. Go for it. No, I was going to ask. You know the the one thing I want to touch on. Um, but before we move past it, because I know we already mentioned, obviously, like Christopher Walken and Dennis Hopper and like mm-hmm. how important that mm-hmm. scene was. I feel like those two being on screen together and then neither of them are in the movie 
at all for the remainder. Yeah. I almost I almost feel like that was in some weird way the like it felt like to me it was like the writer director's choice of like well the director's choice of being like we don't want to have any more dick swinging top tier award like no more huge actors or actresses in this movie right this right because because Brad Pitt vets. was not at the time exactly no Didn't more season yep. no more season vets beyond exactly. this point like that basically was like all right yes chris penn experience tom sizemore yes. experience yeah but like not really you know what i'm saying like no, they no, were they were they not, were but like no not to the same level they're they're never a lead in any fucking no. movie that any of them are in so it's it's almost like this weird bookmark in that movie where it's like from this point on the movie is going to be way more chaotic and there's going to be no lead there's going to no, be no nothing. seasoned veteran anchor no and it's how many movies be... can you think of where gary oldman's a lead or fucking dennis hopper christopher walken are the leads like most of the movies they're in that is what they are is top top billing top two or three you know exactly Everyone exactly. else in this Saul Rubinek, no Bronson Pinchot, no, obviously not. Like everyone else is just like side secondary side characters, characters welcome, kicked mm-hmm. actors. I like that. I do like that a lot. I, if yeah. I didn't point that out earlier too, that is a type of the type of flow of this that I really enjoy with the scenes and the characters, like mm-hmm. the character dumps, you know, of like, here's one scene with this fucking character and that's it. You know, it's literally like us when we throw in those bridges to songs that we then don't repeat. And we're like, where should we do this in the song? What do we do with this? <laughs> this almost is, this almost doesn't fit, but it's a good riff. I don't want to get rid of it. Yeah. Literally. That's like <laughs> a comparison just came to me. Stream of consciousness where I was like, this, <laughs> this is like us at practice yesterday. I like this riff but I don't know what to do with it. That is, <laughs> that is so much of it. That's true. That's true. Um, but, but Joey, what, a, what else around this like middle to end? Uh, what have, what have you just been watching that sticks out that you want to, you want to blab? Well, um, dude, I guess fi- the final shootout thing is really kind of what, what's left in my mind. Yeah. The three, Two, yeah, when, two, when the, two of them, I guess, at first, and then like the Sicilians come in. Yeah, so ridiculous. That is a crazy scene, dude. I really enjoy when that happens, and Chris Penn or Tom Sizemore—I don't even remember—but one of them just like looks over with this like furrowed brow of like the fuck are these guys, and it's so like authentic of just like, whoa, what? Whoa, there's more people holding guns at us now, huh? So good. And it's literally oh, a three-way yeah. standoff suddenly. It's very comical for like a everyone's about to die type of moment. Yeah. Still throwing the comedy in, mm-hmm. you know? Last action hero type of shit right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I feel, like, I feel like with Penn and Sizemore, it's like that's kind of what you get. That is that's their what, thing, that's, though. What, that's yeah, what you get. That is very much. That's why they're, they're like perfect, an- they don't need annoyed, to be confused. No, exactly. You you want to have someone to come in that's playing fucking like Penn, the Minetti character in Starsky and Hutch, Minetti, or like dude. David Loach in, <laughs> in fucking Stealing Harvard, like Loach. which we will get to, which we dude, will get to. Uh, um, we will. We will. Is it a movie? Uh, I don't know, but it's up there. <laughs> but it's uh, it, it's definitely one of those things. Like I I also appreciate the subtle like elements of like the comedy that they do sprinkle in 
It's not just like hard hitting, crazy insanity. I mean, it can it's like, keep it going for the people that are like, I don't want all this fucking gun em up bullshit. I don't want all this romantic bullshit. Like, I just want comedy, which usually, if you like comedy, you're not just, I only watch comedy. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you, dip your, you dip your tongue into other things. But if for some reason someone's just like that and they're just like, I want this movie to be funny, it'll definitely keep you in there. Yes. There's only like like I was saying with the fucking or we're all saying with the with the fight with uh, Gandolfini and Arquette like every time he's like yelling at her and like she's just laughing at him or just like tells him to come closer and is like fuck you like yeah that's funny so funny it's serious but like it's still like a good little funny moment that you can throw into like a very chaotic like. <laughs> action-packed fucking sequence yeah mm-hmm. i i love how that corresponds with all of like the more seriousness and like shoot em up drug type shit that is that is in this you know yeah it really just hit or miss type of shit dude and this movie fucking hits i think on like all of them i know we don't usually we wouldn't usually be covering a movie right now if like we weren't all like totally stoked about it but like sometimes we get a we get a movie like this like a lot recently and it's like fuck we have so much to say because everything still holds up and it's hard it's hard to not want to like let things go <laughs> no we have to talk about the fucking elevator scene all right <laughs> <laughs> i just wish someone would take me away from this right now <laughs> Elliot Blitzer, runner-up for the best character name ever, but got the second-place trophy to Bill Paxton in Spy Kids. Winky Dinks was his name. Hell yeah. <laughs> or Dinky Winks. Or, you know what I'm fucking talking I think about. I, I know exactly I think what you're talking about. Yeah, I think dude, you're right. I think he, you're right. I think it is he, Winky Dinks. Yeah, he for sure won the award for um. <laughs> fucking weirdest or most ridiculous name in a movie character name like i don't know that's a that's a good one i do the roller coaster scene love it yeah i know i know joey would be like fucking bronson pichot if that was us in real life but i would be like fucking slater just like yeah Joey, yeah, apparently, I, would, I would I wouldn't even be on that fucking thing. You wouldn't Whoa. even allow, bro. If you were an actor, you would be because Michael Rapaport, I guess, has motion sickness and was not telling anyone until the day of the shooting. And they for sure drugged him up when they reshot some scenes, and you can tell that Holy he's shit. he is absent minded because he is like, yeah, fucking hates it. Is would be like Joey if that happened. I yeah. I presume. I don't know. Like I get like certain motion sickness every now and then, like a boat or something hits weird. But like I fucking love roller coasters and I love the adrenaline rush of that like meetup of them doing that. I feel like Entourage did that in the Dom episode when it's like Vincent E at the top, like oh we got to get rid of fucking Dom, you know? And it's mm-hmm. and Vince is just like yeah, so I made him head of security, and it's right when they hit the peak of the roller coaster and it's just like I owe me and then the episode is just over they just roller coaster you can't talk once the roller coaster is going mm-hmm. yeah. but like but the perfect moment of like when the very serious cliffhanger like tip type thing happens you know and it's the same with Clarence like bullshitting about uh you know his or his somewhat whatever fucking rambled story about the the cop that's a good guy that wants to get money and whatever and knows that he can hook him up 
whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it is that he says. Yeah. But, the, but then they got to get Interpol in on because of it. I I really I I like how they kind of twist all of this as well because I don't know about like what was happening in in terms of like you know Hollywood and just like crime in general in, in like the nineties but like I felt like when I first saw this I was like this whole thing is insane but yeah, like insane. I feel like this might in some way shape or form might have happened or like parts of real. this parts of this might have happened you know mm-hmm. like it could I don't be real. I don't know. I don't know why. Just guy wearing a wire on his balls. I don't know. It's pretty real to me. That for (laughs) sure. Not saying I do it or anything. Uh, Bronson Pinchot. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. Just uh, yeah, yeah, the weenie. Not like the the fucking mob guys all in uh in the hotel room. Got Paul Ben Victor of Entourage Tombstone fame. You got fucking Kevin Corrigan in there combing his hair well before Trees Lounge came out. He's a little baby in this movie. The, mm-hmm. You know, not his not not wearing a vest because it's not his style. But uh I I really like that. It's like, oh, this is like every fucking like mobster type thing right here. They got all the bullets and shells laid out on the bed. They're packing. Oh shells yeah. Out. I'm like, dude, yeah, this totally fucking happened. And if not, like Movies have been doing this with mobsters for fucking decades now. I love it. Mm-hmm. Has to be real. <laughs> it's real in the movie to me. I don't know. Dude, so legit. <laughs> uh, it does seem so legit. It seems, oh, yeah, you know, certain parts here and there, here and there. But um, yeah, dude, I don't know. I I love it. It's so cool. It's so cool. It's so cool. And he, uh, Tony Scott was one particular motherfucker of the movies that he did as well mm-hmm. wasn't all over the place like ridley and is younger i'm pretty sure so r.i.p let's give him his flowers mm. yes because he's a fucking great great uh great hollywood guy that you don't that you don't think about it probably you you think about this as a tarantino movie you know right, right. seriously mm-hmm. seriously motherfucker did top gun okay did like Crazy. did like three fucking Tom Cruise movies around then, and then did the last Boy Scout and did Enemy of the State, Spy Great Game, movie. Man on Fire, Deja Vu, Unstoppable, the Taking of Pelham One Two Three remake, like action action stuff usually, you know, mm-hmm. a little more on the action side than Ridley, but yeah, dude, good fucking good fucking movies and. uh he knows how to put it together, like we're saying with the scenes here, mm. and the and the direction and the camera and whatever you know influence he holds over it. Good shit. Sad to not have you around, Mister Tony Scott. <laughs> so I uh, speaking of speaking of like you know we've obviously touched multiple times on Tarantino and kind of how people often associate this with being a Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. I did I did find an interview that. Uh, Tarantino had uh, sat down with an empire, which is a print magazine. Um, this was published in 2019. And basically the, the question was kind of uh, centered around like how the movie would have been different if Tarantino had actually directed the film himself. Right. But was he ever, was he ever like up for that? Do you know? Is that ever a possibility? Because he never, showed up to like the set of this movie. It was a very well-known thing that it was mm-hmm. like, 
I just handed in the words. You yes. know, mm-hmm. no other influence. That motherfucker doesn't do that. He's a triple threat. I don't I don't know as if that was ever like a discussion. I think it was just okay. I need to get this out of my system and I need to give this to somebody else yes, who's going to yes. do their own thing with it and make a lot of money. Right. It, whatever. Yeah, which is, which is good as well, man. That's what, that's what people do. Andrew, Kevin Walker, you know, write a movie, let the other guy add their influence to it. See if they can make it phenomenal, you know, or they mm-hmm. can make it suck. Shit happens. Exactly. Chance you take. So this is, this is for the two of you and obviously for the people listening. Uh, Cause I found oh, this, so to kind be, of I f- found this to be pretty interesting. Um, so in this in this interview, he said, "quote I would have mm-hmm. done my original ending where Clarence dies, right. and I would have done all the comedy mm-hmm. and all the romance. Would have, but it would have been a little rougher. And with it being a little rougher, we could have earned the more tearjerker ending. Mm-hmm. I mean, with yeah. the fairy tale popcorn movie that Tony made, that almost would have been a dirty trick, killing Clarence. You would have had to have earned <laughs> the ending that I wrote, and I think I would wow. have earned it more. Yeah." Yeah, End quote. El- eloquently put from the man with a eighth grade education. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that wild? I mean, still a very smart, like intelligent motherfucker for how specific he is with what he's intelligent about or intelligible. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not that word, as we are saying. Yeah, it's just, yeah, that, yeah, that's fucking, that's, that's perfect. I imagine it would be rougher because it would have the vibe of a, like Tarantino movie, which is, mm-hmm. of course, that's how he would fucking end it. When does he have Whoa. movies where people walk off into the sunset fucking happily? That's not Tarantino. No, no, that's not his forte at all. Like at all. But see, that's no, what I find interesting. Not as Will Forte. <laughs> not as Will Forte. That's that's kind of one of the reasons though why I found this uh, quote to be fascinating is because it's something that I feel like everybody was like asking you know like or in my mind i feel like when you when you hear okay this is tarantino this is tarantino and then you sit down and watch it oh it's not tarantino but it is and then it's like well how would he have done this differently what would yeah. he have done it's like oh i would have killed him it's like well no and shit but like yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like what else and he's like no that's basically about it you know because yeah, he had that in the script and then that was one of the just like well the movie's over Mm-hmm. There's, there's no yeah. line there's no lines or anything after that he can make them just live and they walk off into the sunset simple simple fix dude this isn't fucking stanley kubrick rewriting the shining in its no. entirety <laughs> no and throwing stephen king offset as throwing, well throwing him offset but also like having that pop culture influence of adding all the lines that are famous like mm. none of them are from the book you know that a lot of mm. people have no idea like right they're not right no, no. Yeah, the, uh, I was like, I, you can back me up on it because I know you read that one, and I just hear about it. But like, there's, there's definitely, there's definitely a, some of the dialogue is, but as far as to your point, what you're saying, like, oh, the stuff work, that people all know, work, no play, yeah, uh, here, makes here's, Jack here's a doll boy, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, room two thirty seven. Incorrect. Yeah, ex- <laughs> not exactly. The, not the room in the Cra- book. Crazy when that happens, dude. It gets me. I remember one time somebody said. Uh, two one seven, I think. Uh, is that it? I, I don't remember off the top of my Dude, head what it is. All Could I know is they. All I know is they tore me apart for like <laughs> them having known the real thing, and I was like, "Yes, yeah, sorry, it's been a while since I watched the fucking Steven Weber miniseries. My bad." And they're like, "You're not a fucking true fan," and I was like, "I'm not a true fan." 
I did not read that Stephen King book. I'm not lying book. about. I'm not lying about it. Yeah. It's a great book. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm not saying anything. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, guy, whoever this was that I don't even remember who your face, but the situation because you were a you fucking Elliot Blitzer dink, probably <laughs> is what you fucking were. Fuck you, Elliot Blitzer. Hey, you like these dailies? Is that what they are? Dailies? Yeah, like Elliot Blitzers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. yeah. No, I like it. I like it. I like all that. So shit. yeah, so I, I found I found that to be rather interesting that you know Tarantino shed the a little fact. light on what he would he would do if it were him behind the wheel of his own movie, you know, his own script, I should say, his own script. It's good, good to know, and does does sound like or would sounds like it would that would feel like a Tarantino directed and written movie. So mm-hmm. at least we at least we know what we could have gotten for all those people out there that are. Not down with this ending, I guess. You know, if if that does exist, we can jump into some facts. Yeah. Because, because that leads me to one, basically, how you brought this up, which is how there is a a genesis to this script of true romance, which was a fifty page, uh, a fifty page script by Roger Avery titled "The Open Road." And it's basically natural born killers and true romance combined mm-hmm. into one thing though when Tarantino got it because this guy was like having writer's block or whatever and is just like I need someone to take another look at this. Mm-hmm. It's this is literally a fucking Billy Walsh moment, dude. This guy is like, here, Tarantino, my video store clerk friend. Wanna look at my script and add some ideas? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, give me it. Yeah, yeah. I love feet. Yeah, totally, dude. You know? And then mm-hmm. this fucking guy, Billy Walsh, is it and brings back like 500 pages of what Avery describes as the Bible of pop culture. And Tarantino is a machine from day one, apparently, which mm-hmm. blows my fucking mind. But they also like retyped, edited, you know, an insane amount of this. 500 pages, for anyone who doesn't know, is like two times the Irishman. That is way too much for a film. Way, 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 way. That's crazy. Insane. Too much. Yeah. So this was basically how they split up storylines and things that were in it to make the part that was about, like, a couple that is, like, uh, on the run, like, looking for a screenwriter who wrote a glitzy Hollywood movie about them and their exploits that is more natural born killers, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the one where it's like uh, a couple finds a bunch of drugs and is like going from a Midwestern town to like a California town or something like that, you know, clearly mm-hmm. turned into this. Basically, one script split to make two stories and then our two separate movies, which is just the highlight of that is Tarantino taking this idea that this friend of his had and turning it into a 500 page script is just like, dear God, handwritten out as well. Handwritten. Wow. Handwritten 500 pages. Quentin Tarantino, uh, little to no words to say about your writing ethic. That's insane. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> Psycho, but also like at the top of his game from like, day one you know yeah coming out a fully realized musician i always say the john bonham thing like right when you hear john bonham he's the shit mm-hmm. what the fuck fuck these <laughs> what 
how are you just like awesome from day one of doing this type of shit i just think that just a lot to a lot to say about tarantino that just gives him gives him a lot of credit right there but also the fun gary oldman stuff i was talking about apparently in a 2011 interview with the american film institute he was asked to name his favorite role he's ever played in a film and he chose two drexel spivey from this and his real life portrayal of lee rv oswald and jfk damn dude (laughs) two of his favorite roles this is right after the dark knight too so wow really love drexel drexel spivey uh when he met with tony scott to play this role specifically as well uh, he was working on like another movie, didn't have time to read the script, didn't know anything about it. it. Was just like, Tony, tell me what the role is. And he's like, You're playing a white guy who thinks he's black and is also a pimp. And Gary Oldman just laughs and is like, I will, I'll do it. <laughs> it instantly accepts the role because <laughs> why the fuck not? I don't know. Sounds, sounds juicy, right, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what Gary Oldman says about this role, according to him, quote, it's a collaborative thing and you work with the costume designer and the director. In the case of true romance, I was already working on a film and had no way of meeting Tony Scott. I met him once at an interview and he said, I cannot tell you what the story is. This is Tony Scott saying this now. I'm no good at that. But the character, like he said, is the white guy is black and he's a pimp. And he agrees to it. And that was it. Game over. But Gary then says the when he shows up to the set and like finally sees what he's doing as this character of Drexel over the course of working on it, he added the dreadlocks, added the scar, added the teeth, misty eye, all of that shit is Gary Oldman just, you know, checking in with with Tony every now and then because he knows it's such a bit part in this movie. Just being like, hey, what about this? What about that? Can I do this? You know? And so when he shows up and they're actually shooting on the first day of full-on, like, film is running and puts it all together, that is what Tony Scott saw and was piecing together all those details of just, like, yeah, like, Gary Oldman thinks it's awesome that Tony Scott's, like, that open to let him Mm -hmm. do that. And then Tony Scott sees him do like a few scenes and is just like, wow, (laughs) this is beyond what he was imagining, basically, for this fucking, you know, 10 minute or less character. Jeez. And it's just, uh, and apparently they had like other, in earlier versions of the script, they had more scenes with him. And then they were taken out and repurposed for Pulp Fiction. And then those were also taken out of Pulp Fiction, clearly. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Fucking nutty, dude. Gary Oldman is a goat. And also adds this bit of fact that he had his Dracula wig maker work on Drexel's dreadlock wig for this movie. So Dracula is <laughs> literally the, the movie he was probably doing that he couldn't meet yeah. with Tony about as the year before it, you know, and was mm. a huge deal back then. And it's really funny because uh I guess um his like 70-year-old mother was on set most of the days and would continually like go over and ask her like, "Hey, how's it look? Like, how's my performance, you know, and everything?" And like doesn't say That's how great. she felt about it, but I can just imagine like him and the wig maker just being like, "How's this guy look?" 
<laughs> it I'm sure she fucking was fucking weird. I'm sure she was super psyched. I'm sure she was just like, okay, get me out of here. I'm happy that you're happy. You know, like it was one of those things. If I'm happy, I'm happy you're happy, you. sweetie. Yeah. I know. Exactly. That's so good. That's so good. So um, a good another bit of fact I found is the Tarantino named the Sicilian scene one of his proudest moments. Now, wow. Wow. But that sounds like that sounds like him. <laughs> <laughs> but but now here's a quote from him. I had heard this whole speech about the Sicilians a long time ago from a black guy living in my house. One day I was talking with a friend who was Sicilian and I just started telling that speech and I thought, wow, this is a great scene. I got to remember that. Write that down. Huh. Literally, so it's true. It's adds, true. It to, adds it to a movie and it's true. Almost adds a whole different layer to like the, oh, the aging racism or whatever you want to call it, you know? Mm. like oh i'm not trying to justify it by saying like it's a dad sticking up for his son so that's why he says it it's like i'm just saying i don't truly believe that dennis hopper's character was racist basically and Mm. that is just his last effort to save his son because he knows he knows he's not making it out of there instantly you know that's me dissecting the scene in a film class so then hearing that like a black dude that Tarantino knew actually like told him this like whole thing, you know, and then turns it into a scene. Yeah. Right. Like that's definitely some of the real life shit in it that you would not expect. And it's Mm -hmm. very much like, all right, it's coming from a white guy in this movie though. So it's clearly kind of fucked up, but from the original source of where he heard it from, like, I wonder the scenario. I wonder if this guy was like trying to be funny or if he was like dead serious, like telling the story, you know, that's what I don't have in this uh, in this fact here. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of fucking nuts. Uh, another another funny one is Brad Pitt found the hat he's wearing in the kitchen sequence on the boardwalk in Venice, California. He took it home, washed it, and wore it for the film. No, I shouldn't shouldn't have washed it. Yeah, you know Brad Pitt. <laughs> Brad got, armpit. Got to protect that hair. Yeah, it's Brad armpit, <laughs> not Brad shitty head, smelly dome. Whatever you want to call it. Uh, so apparently we were talking about the caddy. Tony Scott gave that to Patricia Arquette after uh, they wrapped the film because she had a Ford Futura that was breaking down constantly. Kept her from getting there on time. And he was just like, you can have this. That's crazy. That's pretty <laughs> rad, actually. <laughs> Very rad. And also, let's talk about their relationship a, a little more because... Apparently, there is some talk of like, um, Patricia Arquette getting like smacked around by Tony Scott when they're filming this, basically. And I don't know if anybody like hears the negatives of this still or not, but from this fact that I have, it was like she was asking him to slap her so that she could like get in character and shit. Which is crazy, but actors do this. Again, Johnny mm-hmm. jo- Johnny Drama, you know? like mm-hmm. if, if we're an artist, we're all a little fucked up in a certain way to do these roles and do the shit that you do, you know? You're all, we're all fucking tragically flawed as artists. So, like, I think that's fucking nutty, but, like, makes a lot of sense for her character because of how tough she is, you know? And apparently... Right for key scenes of when she's like crying or, you know, et cetera, et cetera, getting the shit beat out of her. She would 
ask for quote the persuader from Tony Scott. Oh Jesus. So like yeah, he did smack her around on set because she asked him to and that is a director's job at the end of the film. And what is the film, Joey? What is that? True romance. You heard it here for a number of times in for the this first episode. time in case in you're the whole just episode. tuning in you heard this for the first <laughs> in case you just tune in for the games and facts section of this movie you're in luck go fuck yourself please rewind and watch this movie <laughs> yes. uh yeah there's a there's a lot of other shit like i mentioned throughout this as well but uh nothing super crazy besides the crossovers that we talked about in other Tarantino movies. I believe Mr. White, the great Harvey Keitel in Reservoir Dogs mentions having worked with a prostitute or what have you named Alabama. That is who knows a year before, if not around the same time Tarantino's mm-hmm. writing those. So seems pretty plausible, huh? Yeah. And apparently mm-hmm. the sunglasses that Slater was wearing, uh, the Elvis ones, I'm assuming is what Uma Thurman is wearing in Kill Bill Volume 1 when she's, uh, like, first exiting the hospital and shit, you know? Yeah, she gets him out of the shagging wagon or whatever. Yep, yeah, apparently they're the same ones. And so that's, like, a tie-in in the behind-the-scenes world, not the characters, like like uh, like that other one with uh, Mr. White that uh-huh. I just said. But there's another, there's another one, too. I think it was Lee Donowitz... I think Donowitz is a last name in Inglorious Bastards. And it's like a lineage of like this guy was Lee Donowitz's like great great grandfather or something like or like hmm. grand or like grandfather. I just added like 70 years to that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> it's just I I I don't uh I don't remember like where I where I jotted this one down, but it was something like that of just like same name, you know? Mm-hmm. This all, yeah, all seems legit to me. Who knows about some of these facts? You know, like I say every time, like this is just IMDb or I'm typing it into Google, like looking this shit up, seeing what's interesting for you guys so other people don't need to go type it in and do all that. And uh, otherwise, that's about it. There's a lot of really interesting like casting decisions uh, because fucking, you know, Patricia Arquette and Slater were not the... OG choices for this, believe it or not. That's how you work it down. There was a good couple other people in mind, apparently, that uh did not get it clearly, like Drew Barrymore. Oh no shit. Hmm. Yeah, that's Interesting one choice. Yeah, I agree. It's what I wanted to see. I yeah. think we're good, baby. Shoot. Shoot. Shoot, man dang on hoot nanny of a hoe down here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen the games portion oh yeah so we can wrap this bitch up there's a lot of people in this movie ensemble cast as we know classic setup for the weird algorithm game do you guys possibly have different answers for who you think would be at the top right now Ooh, um right um, now uh, if, if you want do you want to go first because I know, I know what I'm gonna pick. I'll let you. I'm, go I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it then. Um, I am going to go with Christian Slater. All right, yeah. 
Um, I legitimately am like clueless on this one, dude. I have. I uh, do. I do not know. I'll follow suit with one uh, of you guys, though. Um, Gary Oldman. Yeah, I was gonna say Gary Oldman or Val Kilmer. Yeah, that's but, a hard pick. Dude. But I, I feel like Patricia Arquette would is gonna be in the top three, like. She's the only female yeah. like lead in this, you know, and she's doing shit all the time. But but I don't know. I don't know. And it doesn't matter with me anyway. So Lou, you're gonna do Slater. Yeah. And Joey, you wanna do Dread Dreadman. Drexel baby. Drexel. Ol- <laughs> Drexel Oldman. Dreadsel <laughs> Drexel Oldman. <laughs> <laughs> That was actually his character's name from the fifth element, I believe. Nah, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> Joey has received a point. Gary Oldman is in the three slot. Oh, that's nice. fucking right. Classic old man serious black right there. Dude. Excellent. Classic Lieutenant Gordon. <laughs> Classic. And Patricia Arquette, number two. Shit. Nice. Went with it. I should have I should have gotten real. Should have gotten real with this. But any idea who number one is, gentlemen? Uh, let's go with Val Kilmer. Let's go with how I mentioned this part is obviously too small for a star. The blew up way too soon after Brad Pitt yeah, is that number figures. one. That figures. But you know, Joey, you've you've captured a win for yourself. Yes, motherfucker. Which means you get to go first in the next game, ladies and gentlemen. We're, gonna, we're doing IMDb top fours. Top fours are we go to IMDb, we click on an actor from this movie, and we read their top four films from fourth to first place. So, Joey, I will list out the four. You take your time to think. I'll probably end up saying all four of them before. You want to make a guess, mm. but if you want to stop me at any point and go for it, let a brother know. Right on, Diggy Dog. All right. Your first film, which is this person's uh, in the four slot film of their top four is called Killing Them Softly. So number four is Killing Them Softly. And in the number three slot, it's a film called The Mexican. And after the number three slot, we have a film in the two slot called Enough Said. Are you ready to Um, take a whack or do you want to hear? Is it Brad Pitt? It is not Brad Pitt, which is... Which is the best part in this game because he's totally in two of those movies. Yes, he is. Uh, Man. Lou, do you think you can guess with only these three? Can so can you read can you read those again, please? I yes. like need to hear that again. Yes. Descending or ascending order, whatever the fuck. Go in the go in the order. Go in the order that is his fourth movie is Killing Them Softly. The mm-hmm. third movie is The Mexican. Or the Mexican, as they say in Beer Fest. And the second movie is Enough Said. Enough Said. 
Enough said. I know. Talk about saying things. Well, I was definitely <laughs> thinking Brad Pitt. Uh, yeah, I was thinking Brad Pitt. So, w- what if I gave you this number one? Slot? Yeah, give me give me the number one slot. All right. This is a joke now because we're just doing, <laughs> we're just doing this for fun because you only get the amount that Joey goes for. But you guys would have obviously been able to get this point when I read off the number one slot is a TV show called The Sopranos. Oh, fuck. James James Gandolfini. (laughs) (laughs) You are awarded no points, and may God have mercy on both of your souls. (laughs) But yes, isn't that funny? He's in both both of those movies. Great parts. That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So. um, No points. No points here. Uh Joey, you, you get another you get another shot though. Someone's gotta get a point so we can alternate here. Freaking can't, yeah. can't have no points on the board. So you, you got the precedent, but you can stop if you want to hear just a few of them or if you want to hear all four. I'll start with the four slot, which is the Arnold Swazenjaga classic called The Sixth Day. That is the fourth movie in this person's top four and their third movie is called beautiful girls and so we got sixth day beautiful girls and number two a little movie we have not mentioned at all true romance (gasps) damn it joey (laughs) is it is, is it is it michael rapinport Oh my gosh. Rap- Rappaport? Rappin- Rappaport. 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 How, how, how the fuck does his last name said? Rappaport? There's two. Is there like two P's in it? There's a P and A and then another P. Rappaport. Rap. Up. Rap. Rap up. Wrap it up, dude. Wrap up. up. Yeah, yeah that's just, what yeah. I'm going with. Yeah. That is correct. His number one Ooh. movie is Deep Blue Sea. Woo! Nice. Michael Rappaport. Joey's like, come on, or lose, like, dude. As soon as you said six day, as soon as you said the six day, I was like, all right. He was, he was. Joey's like, let's see if I can get another one out of this, and then he got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You get a point. It's right. It's right. That's what really matters. The points. Yeah, bitch. All right, motherfucker. Lou, Lou, you get precedent now over this next person's. Top four. Alrighty. So let me jot Joey's point to not make him unpointable. Remember that it has occurred. And I will give you this person's fourth slot movie, which is a film called Stigmata or Stigmata. I, uh, don't know the correct pronunciation. It's stigmata. It's stigmata in the fourth slot, which means the third slot is a television program called Medium. Not long or short, but medium. Yes. <clears throat> so we have stigmata, four, and TV show Medium as the three. Mm. The number two could help you out. It is a film called Boyhood. What is happening? We have Stigmata. 
then we got mediums, and we got friggin' boyhoods. Eh, friggin' boyhoods. Do you think you know what this number one slot movie is or who the actor in question is? Lewis. The, the only one that would have been a giveaway is Stigmata, but I... Is this... Is this Patricia Arquette? It is Patricia Arquette, and in the number one slot is a film titled True Romance. So I figured, like, so wouldn't true, have done it, wouldn't have done anything for you, but you guys both got two <laughs> on those because you you left the number one. So you're still, so you're still you're still tied up. Wicked, wicked, what? Yeah, it's crazy. Hell yeah! You didn't remember she was in Boyhood? I did not. No. It's the one she won the Oscar for, Home Slice. That's where you. That's why I need you in my life, Mike. That's you can that's, tell me that. That's what. That's what I'm here for. I didn't need to look that up. I remember that moment happening in time in the great 2014 land. But nice. but but we digress, and we move on to Joey's turn. Yeah. Joey, the fourth film in this person's top four is titled The Prophecy. Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ, Joey. <laughs> Joe, uh, is, it, is it fucking Christopher Walken? It's it's actually just Christopher Walken. He's not related to Steve fucking Buscemi, so <laughs> we can't award you any points on that one. I am sorry. No, we'll give you well, some I points. Christopher Walken, dude. Any- all right. Uh, all right, Joe, you've you've moved ahead. You've doubled ahead. So, Lou, if you get uh, these before the top slot, you can tie it up with Joey again and make this a pain in the ass for me. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. It's fun. It's fun. Your number four... Oh, my God. Your number four slot, Lou, is a film called Waterworld. This was... I just, like, opened his up and was like, everyone knows all of these movies. He's a legend. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Speed. Fucking Easy Rider. Mm. Shit adds up almost too well. R.I.P. Dennis Hopper. Mm-hmm. Legend. All right. Joey time. Yeah, yeah. Joey, the first movie in this person's top four. Say it. Say it, Joey. Is the movie say it? (laughs) No, 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 dude. Like, I know you know the answer deep in your loins. Dude, I I don't know. (laughs) Joey, if we're talking about the realest of love, what would that be? True love. I fucking I, I I I hate you sometimes. I hate you. The platform is just silver platter. Fucking the silver goose. Real real romance. Real romance is the number four movie in this person's top four. Number four. Okay. Now, you, now you have to guess because I'm I'm pissed at you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we got in the three slot, Joey, a epic film called Footloose. Do you know it? Gotta kick off your shoes. Uh, All right. I do. Romance. 
and Footloose. And we have in the number two slot, I'm getting deja vu, a film called Shortcuts. Uh, is it Chris Penn? Son of a bitch. It is Chris Penn. Only because we did this for Starsky and Hutch. (laughs) (laughs) What could be his number one? Oh, man. Stealing Harvard. (laughs) Hey, Stealing Harvard in the one slot. Reservoir Dogs? Reservoir Dogs. dogs R.I.P. to the great Chris Penn. Gone far too soon. All right, motherfuckers jumping ahead and tying games once we got past the illusion of James Gandolfini's top four. And <laughs> let's try let's try some let's try some ball busters here. Lou, is it your turn? I think it is. It is. All right, buddy. In the number four slot, we have a film titled Risky Business. And that is but merely the fourth slot. For in the third slot, we have, fittingly, Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh, yo, this is Bronson Pinchot. (laughs) (laughs) This is Bronson Pinchot. But what are his top two movies, Lou? Oh, I'm going to say his number two is True Romance. Ooh. And his number one is Langoliers. <laughs> <laughs> you have been kicked out of the podcast. Please collect all your things. <laughs> Dude, number number one is true romance. I, this is the definitive Bronson Pinchot film, I'm telling you. Oh. Bronson Pinchot. If you want to get phonetic up in this Dianetic. Dianetic truly much better than Krishna. Dianetic truly much better indeed. It's the other franchise. He's in them all. Guess one of them. Uh, well, you said it. Beverly Hills Cop. I said Beverly Hills Cop three. Oh, it's Beverly Hills Cop one. <laughs> oh shit! How'd you know, mother? Oh wow. my gosh! Holy no fuck! Way. You were a fucking genius, bro. <laughs> Bro. Get off! You're fucking cheating. Get off the computer. I know. You're I'm not, I am not. Dude, no. Uh, <laughs> funny, 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 funny. His birthday is in like two weeks. Good for you, Pincho. All right, Pincho and Pinchette tied up. Let's see if we can get a fucking. I don't even know. Like a. A tennis ending here, where someone can get one wrong, and then we can. Try and win the yeah. game, not end in a stalemate, because I'm running out here. Joey, it's your turn, I believe. Right on. Okay. Joey, your fourth slot for this person's top four is a TV show called Hunters. Hmm. Have you watched the TV show called Hunters, Joey? I have not. Me neither. So I'll tell you the third slot, which is a film called The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Sounds like a hootenanny of a time, don't it? Shoot. So we got Hunters, we got Buster Scruggs, and could it be in the number two slot? Joey, what if I give you a platform again to guess the movie? Are you going to get this one right? Is it 
true true romance i'm so nervous for you all of the time yeah it's true romance got got any clue if if you if lou gets another two he can get the go-ahead here do you want to hear the number one to guarantee a point or you want to shoot for two or shoot for none here is it saul soul soul better call just kidding saul i know i always think of that when i think of his (laughs) name too dude it is soul soul because soul is in is in buster scruggs dude nice with a bunch of fucking people though that's like there's like these are like pretty i don't know that was pretty fucking tough unforgiven is his number one dude i just i'm just guessing at this point (laughs) yeah you're like yeah because you got people left over yeah that's why i was like i gotta do saul and fucking bronson pinchot later because (laughs) you guys aren't gonna like have any idea probably but bronson pinchot i realized is way easier because he's only in fucking four films and one of them is langoliers apparently one of them is the langoliers all right we're we're getting tougher i i swear okay okay lou you fucking ready I'm ready. All right. Still tied up. The number four slot for this actois is the film titled Unstoppable. It's also a song by the Planet Smashers. Which is why I did a horn noise right there. Hmm. And in the three slot, a personal all-time favorite of mine, also a song. Pineapple Express. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. Do, totally gone, cause we're on Pineapple Express. Free discount scan. All right, we got Unstoppable, Huey Lewis, and an also all-timer favorite of mine, The Departed. The fucking Departed. Is this? Is this? Uh... <laughs> You say you say uh, his name. You say his name. <laughs> Charlie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is it is it Ke- Kevin? Fuck. <laughs> I want to say Garfield, but I know that that's not fucking right. Kevin Garfield. It's not. It's not. I know his first name's Kevin. Did this is guy? It... Did this guy play Spider Man? No, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. It... You're you're right. You can say character names or whatever. I I know what you're getting at. Mo- shot Marvin in the head. No, it's uh, <laughs> no, Ke- it's Ke- Kevin. Ke- Kevin, fuck, Krog, Korwak or something like <laughs> Corrigan. 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 I fucking worked with a Mike Corrigan. What's uh, his Kevin? <laughs> what, what's his What's his character's name in Pineapple Express? Oh Jesus Christ! What oh, you don't man. know? Want to wear my sweater? Makes me yeah. smell good. Yeah, Bodlovsky and Matheson, Bodlovsky dude. and Matheson, yeah. Bodlovsky and Matheson. Bodlovsky, yeah. Not my style. You got no style, motherfucker. Motherfucker. <laughs> dude, yeah, and his number one is True Romance, so that's good. Not super really? bad. Not super bad. No, yeah, I know. I, feel, I felt like super bad would have creeped up in there. Dude, this guy, he's in like a bunch of huge films. It's fucking wild. I know, and he's literally like no lines in True Romance either, so... 
That's kind of an odd number one choice for him. That doesn't really like do him justice. Like results should be his number one. He movie. kicks down the door though when they go into the flat at the very the sk- end. The skinny he's guy. The one that, he's he the leads the way. He leads the way. He leads the way. You are you're right. And when you're right, you're right, man. So, so all right, let's just I you know, I don't I I got one more. So we'll just end this in a stalemate if we got. Is it Samuel L. Jackson? I fucking hate you, dude. <laughs> 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 there's like he's like there's no one else left. <laughs> no, dude, it was fucking Brad Pitt. Oh man. No, no, no. It, it was it was Samuel. I just wanted <laughs> I just wanted to read the f- number four slot well, off. Well, go ahead, go right on ahead. <laughs> All right, the number four in this person's top four is he's had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Oh! If I said there's another Tarantino movie up there, which one do you think it is? Hateful Eight. Yeah, that makes. Yeah, no, you're wrong, Joey. You have <laughs> lost the game. Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight lead. Yeah, that makes sense. Lead character, lead roles, motherfucker. All right. Well, hey, that was that was a winning, winning uh episode. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Victory! Johnny Drama Victory! <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to Indecisive Opinions here. We got a killer episode up next week for you. It's Oliver Stone's Best Picture winner, Platoon! Oh, in the meantime, listen to Lurking Class on Bandcamp, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever you. And follow us on Instagram. We are Lurking Class, and we slay rock and roll.